0: For joining us today on episode number 186 of the Real Life Runners Podcast, we get questions about running form all the time. So, today we're going to be talking all about running form, what you might need to do, maybe you don't need to do anything. What does running form have to do with your running efficiency, and all of that good stuff? We'll talk about that today.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we are your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running.
0: All right, we're talking all about running form today.
1: Yeah, running form. It's uh, it's a fun one.
0: People love talking about running form. They
1: do. Oh, look at that person's arms. Oh, look at their legs kicking up behind them. It's, yeah. It's well, I think form.
0: it's, you know, one of the reasons people like talking about running form is because they feel like it's a quick fix, right? Like everybody wants a hack nowadays. Like everything you look at on the internet is like a, a quick fix or a tip or a trick or a hack and they think that if they fix their running form, they're going to be running injury-free without a problem.
1: Yes. I've been running for years and years, but I watched this thing on TV. TikTok and it's going to change my life.
0: Okay. Now you just sound like my sister. (laughs) All right. Like TikTok does not have all the answers to the world's problems. It
1: does. And they're all set to music.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) So today we definitely are going to be addressing all things running form related. We're going to be talking about why running form is important. Do you really need to change your running form? If you do, what should you be looking at when it comes to running form? Yeah.
1: Why running form is important and also why running forms. Not that
0: important? Not at all important, (laughs) right, because it depends on who you are. It depends on so many different factors, right? Like, So are there different things that you might be able to do to improve your running form? Maybe, and we'll talk about all that today. But before we get into that, we just wanted to give a shout out to all of our five-day running challengers. You guys are rocking it. It has been so much fun working with you this week. I mean, the breakthroughs that people are already getting in just a couple of short days have been phenomenal.
1: Yeah, The challenge is fantastic. It's always fun to do.
0: Yeah, it is super fun to do. So, if you haven't joined us yet on one of our challenges, make sure that you stay tuned and join us for our next one. I'm not sure when that's going to be happening, but we will let you know for sure on the podcast and through our social media outlets and stuff. We'll probably do one in, in a couple of months.
1: Our social media outlets. I should probably post something on my Instagram. I haven't done that since December. Since really? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. My own feed well, has a picture of me running a 20 miler in December.
0: Well, you didn't even post about your ultra marathon? My
1: ultra was done entirely through stories, so there's absolutely uh, nothing on my actual timeline. Really?
0: Oh, how funny. Well, it's a good thing I keep up with our daily posts on Real Life Runners. So if you're not following us on Instagram, there's a nice plug. Make sure you go follow us on Instagram at Real Life Runners and also the same over on Facebook. Okay, we put out all sorts of fun comment. Co- Content um, on a daily basis with inspirational quotes and running tips and tricks and running them and all that fun stuff too. And then um, I do tend to watch some fun videos and some reels and share those and share those and out, repost yes. some of those as well. Um, so there's some pretty good stuff over there. So. If you're not following us yet, definitely head over to Instagram and follow us at Real Life Runners. So let's get into this today.
1: Yes, running form and how to make it absolutely perfect so that you look amazing as you run down the street. <laughs> so
0: that you look like an elite professional athlete that just exerts no effort or energy as you run.
1: Yes, and you talk like that as you run down the street also.
0: It is so <laughs> wonderful.
1: <laughs> I feel like when you have that voice and your perfect running form, there's also someone running along next to you, like carrying an umbrella, it's so a that spot you're of shaded. Tea. Yes, we, <laughs> we're not British all of a sudden. I
0: love being British.
1: <laughs> I feel like if you're shout British, out
0: to all of our British listeners.
1: We have tons of them, and it,
0: I love you because I spent a semester in London. For those of you that might not know, I love London in England, in the UK.
1: Do you run on the other side of the road?
0: I would say you should
1: because like when I mean that 's how
0: we teach people here is to run against traffic, so I would guess you should right,
1: like if there 's a sidewalk, you run on the sidewalk with traffic if there 's not a sidewalk, you run on the shoulder of the road against traffic, yeah, so I assume you run on the other side of the road
0: let us know u k runners. I was not a runner when I spent time in the u k so i can 't tell you that there you go. I just walked everywhere <laughs> and lost my ten pounds, which was awesome okay, so let 's get into running form, okay so. Running form is one of those things. So we're first going to address the topic of nature versus nurture, right? Like how how influenced um, is your running form by genetics? Like, are you just born with a certain running form, or can you develop
1: a running form? Yeah, can you breed quality runners? Like if two runners come together, are they going to make like the most amazing runner? Like the Gouchers. They're Mm. both professional level runners. Is Colt going to be this like superhuman?
0: Ooh, let's see.
1: Right? Like what is he? he's pretty young still. He's young and and sporty, but what does he look like when he runs? Like does he have an arm that accidentally flails out to the side? Because both of his parents are like really good, efficient runners. Mm. So does he have like a weird leg flick going on or did they breed quality running?
0: Mm. Or is it more of like a nurture kind of thing? So if we're looking at Shalane Flanagan, she just adopted a child. So can she nurture him into a more efficient runner?
1: So I would suggest that it's, it's tough to separate these two things. I mean, she yeah. adopted, so you can kind of pull it out from that direction, but if you have a couple of really athletic parents, odds are you're going to have a pretty athletic childhood. Mm -hmm. Like you're not just going to sit around the house all day long. You're probably going to be out and doing all sorts of things. And I think that more than anything plays a massive role in your development.
0: Well, that's where the whole nature versus nurture debate gets very cloudy, right? Like just in anything, like in running form, yes, but like in anything in your life, right? Because if you are born a certain way to certain parents in a certain family, you do have the genetics, but then you also just have that family culture and that, you know, activity level. So if we're going to take it back to running form, you know, if you have, if you're spending a lot of time doing athletic types of things, you're just going to develop into a more athletic human being because there's muscle memory, right? And and I, um, you know, learned something when I was in PT school that the first seven years has a really big impact on your body type, you know, and how your body forms and the muscles that you're able to form and the fat stores. I think the fat stores go up to like age 12 or 16. Like you're developing the different, you know, um, tissues in your body. Okay. And so it's, it's like that time when you're younger, that your body is forming all of these things that you're going to just naturally. And of course, genetics has a, a part to play, but it also has You know, your diet, your nutrition, your activity level all have a role in how your body develops.
1: So it is your parents' fault, whether it's genetics or simply the environment they put you into. For sure. So nature versus nurture, yes. Yes. The, they all, is yes. the answer is yes. <laughs> like yeah. they all have an influence on this. Like the the environment you were raised in, but also literally inside your genes are going to have some play on this. Yeah. I mean, our kids are both pretty sporty, but they don't have the same build to them. The one has totally different running form than the other. And if it wasn't for the fact that I follow her around on a bike sometimes, she would still have a weird arm flailing off to the side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she got it from her dad. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a genetic component because my arm also tends to flail off to the side. Well,
0: I think that there is a genetic component. And like you know, like you said, our, our two children both are pretty sporty. But different body types. Yep. And one of them definitely resembles you more, and one of them definitely resembles me more in, like, muscle tone and where they carry their muscle and, like, the shape of their body. Like, it's just that, – and that is how the genetics so go. So I feel like a lot of times people are kind of primed for one sport possibly over another. Yeah. Um, there definitely are genetic influences and people can be quote unquote born better runners like but it's definitely something that can be developed as well
1: Well, certainly so there's there's like i don't think
0: that sorry to interrupt you but like i just i don't think that like some people like to use the excuse of like oh i'm just not a runner or i just don't have a runner's body i think that's a bunch of baloney okay (laughs) like that's total bs like we're talking about like elite professional level athletes like i don't think that everyone can necessarily become that level, I think that there has to be some sort of genetic component to it, plus a heck of a lot of hard work.
1: There's an right? enormous, right. Amount, an of enormous amount of
0: hard work. An enormous amount of, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, like, I think maybe, maybe anyone could be, I, I'd like to think so, you know, I, I sure would like to think so, but I do think that some people are just naturally gifted genetically with certain
1: Things. Yeah, I mean, if you want to become an Olympic athlete, it would help if you pick a sport that you're physically built towards.
0: Well, I mean, look at Michael Phelps. Like, I think that, that was Michael, the example yeah. I was gonna go. Okay, with. Go for it. Right. I won't take it away from you. So,
1: Michael Phelps, literally, his his torso is freakishly long yeah, compared like, to the rest of his body. Yeah,
0: like when they have done anatomical analysis on Michael Phelps, like his ar- his arm span and his torso are just
1: they're, genetic. They're not right. yeah,
0: well, <laughs> so, they, they're they are for him.
1: Yes, right, but they,
0: they're they're They fall outside the bell curve. They are outside of the bell curve, which is
1: how he has so many gold medals. But like your wingspan from fingertip to fingertip should be roughly also your height from, you know, toes to the top of your head. And his wingspan is is substantially larger.
0: Yeah. And like you said, his torso is also like in the ratio of his torso to his legs is not quote unquote normal.
1: Right. So as a swimmer, like you use your legs, obviously, like you kick with your legs, but you use your upper body a whole heck of a lot more. So the fact that he has so much more upper body,
0: upper body and back muscles and back muscles. That's why
1: his butterfly is insane. Right. So he can do all these things because his upper body is huge and enormous. And while he is in fact using the legs to kick and stuff like that, especially in something like freestyle, they flutter back and forth. That's not the main driver of swimming. So he has less leg that he has to carry along with him, and he's using most of his huge upper body. Mm -hmm. The opposite of that, which book, I think you were reading this one also with me, of Hisham El-Garouche, who's like the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. He's all legs. Right. He has an abnormally small torso. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was the world record holder in the mile for the longest time. Mm -hmm. I mean, He was world record holder in the mile, I think, for over 15 years. Wow. And he was... Like, you put him on the starting line next to everybody else, and his legs were just like, he would stand head-to-head, head, like, eye level with the person next to him, but his hip was six inches taller than the guy next to him. Mm-hmm. Well, when it came down to the final straightaway, and it was like, well, who's going to have the faster kick? They both have the same turnover, but El Garouche is covering, like, three meters with every step. Yeah, like, like his he stride was just, length. He was gone. His
0: it, stride length was so much longer. It was insane. It also makes you think about environment, too, about, like, where you've where you grow up and what you have access to in the environment, right? Like um, we, there's an organization that we like to support called Girls Gotta Run and they have a girls running program in Ethiopia and there is this one small village in Ethiopia that's produced like 16 Olympians or something ridiculous. Like when you look at, you know, the, the amount of area that that takes up the amount of olympians and and runners that have come out of that small little village is something insane and it's like okay well is it because of the culture of the village which you know running is definitely important thing in the village is it because of where that village is located in the altitude that you know is in that area like they talk about blue zones on the planet you know like do those people have advantages in certain ways than others like Who's to know?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's very much genetics, or also including the environment, because everyone's like, oh, there's the phenomenal African runners, sure, but there's like essentially a village in Ethiopia and a village in Kenya where the runners come out. It's not like, oh man, everybody coming out of Kenya. No, 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 not just Kenya. Actually, this small little portion inside of this valley inside of Kenya. Mm -hmm. It's that.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to look at. So you know, when we look especially at kids, we want to just make a quick note about specialization into sports because this is definitely something that is close to my heart and is something that I feel very passionate about. I noticed that kids nowadays are specializing in sports at a very young age and this can cause serious issues. You know, my career as a physical therapist, it seemed that early and earlier i was seeing kids come into the clinic with repetitive use injuries you know whether it be baseball or you know shoulder problems from swimming or tennis or uh, you know tennis elbow in like teenagers and like yep. 12-year-olds, you know, like things that just should not be showing up. And it's because part of the issue, in my opinion, is that and, – and this is the opinion of several – lots of researchers out <laughs> there as well um, – is that kids are specializing in sports so early now because – Parents want them to get scholarships or various things or become Olympians, and it's it's just causing a lot of problems. So I just think that that's something to keep in mind too. Like, yes, there is a nature and nurture, and yes, we want what's best for our kids, and we want to give them all the opportunities and, you know, have them training and be able to achieve higher levels in sports if that's what they want to do. But just be aware that when they specialize too soon that that can lead to injuries. And the same thing goes for running, okay? Like when, you know, this is one of the things we talk about. On the cross-country team every year like all the freshmen we get a band of freshmen every year and so many of them end up with shin splints in like the first couple of weeks and it's because their bodies just aren't used to it a b they're still growing so a lot of times what happens their bones grow faster than their muscles and so they end up just with this imbalance in their body and you know, there's just hormones and growth plates and all sorts of things say going on. Half
1: the group of new freshmen we have are still in the process of developing hips. Mm-hmm. And that's just throwing everything out of whack also.
0: Exactly. So those are all things that, you know, are important to keep in mind whenever, you know, depending on where you are on your running journey or if you have a child. I know that there's a lot of people, you know, on our team or inside the tribe that are runners themselves but are also have like teenage daughters and sons that are also training in cross country and different things. These are all just important things for you to keep in mind that, you know, kids are still developing and while you want to expose them and help them to start to excel in certain sports, it is very important to expose them to all sorts of different sports and movement patterns so that they're not just overusing one area.
1: Right. Which kind of gets into the next topic that I wanted is beyond you know simply being athletic or um like having a very particular running form it's important to have just general body consciousness and overall coordination so a variety of athletic movements yeah. playing multiple sports in childhood or if if you've made it through childhood as most of our listening audience has still like okay I'm a runner. I like to run, but have a variety of other things you do. If running is your main form of activity, you're going to need to supplement that with some quality strength training and a variety of other movement patterns because if all you've got is perfectly level sidewalk in a straight motion day after day, you're not, you're missing out on the overall athleticism needed for the sport of running. Like, yes, you ultimately are probably in whatever race going to need to run down a road in a straight line for a while. But to get there, you have to arrive as an athlete. Like you need some athleticism to it. Running is a sport and it's a sport that requires athletes to succeed inside of it.
0: Right. And so this is one of the reasons that we always encourage all of our athletes to strength train and we incorporate strength training and mobility work in all of our training plans for our athletes, as well as running drills. Okay. Running drills are also very important to help develop these muscles and the coordination that you need. And I know that, you know, a lot of times our athletes that come to us that join our team and have never even heard of running drills before, right? They've gotten into running later in life. They have no concept that running drills even exist. You know, they joke around that they feel like a clown out there. They feel so uncoordinated, but then they do it for a couple of weeks and they see the improvement. They see how not only are they more coordinated in the running drills themselves, but they're just feeling more coordinated in their running overall. And so that's further proof that when you develop as an athlete, you also develop as a runner.
1: This is why we need the Olympics back on TV. Yeah. Like watch the warmups of any track and field event and you'll see runners out there and these are the highest level athletes, like track and field athletes out there doing all All sorts of running drills, and no one's worried that they're looking a little odd doing like a skipping. Well, and they
0: just look beautiful out there because they've been doing them for like twenty years. Exactly, you know, like that's it too.
1: Yes, I mean they your your high level sprinters probably started it as age group athletes mm-hmm. at a fairly young age, but also most likely while playing three other different sports.
0: Right, and this is the thing that's really important, right? So yes, we, as runners, we do run in one plane. Like we typically run forward, but there has been, you know, an increase in popularity in like obstacle course, obstacle course races or trail races, especially now with COVID, right? Yes. Trail racing has become more popular, ultra running has become more popular where you're on more un- unstable surfaces and uneven terrain, like your body needs to know how to adapt to that. And even if you are a road runner only, it, you have to still be able to adapt, right? Like there, like the terrain in road running is not always flat. I mean, it typically is down here in Florida where we live. Yeah, it is. We have a lot of pancake courses here, but anytime, if you go somewhere else, there's hills. Like if you have to go around a turn, like the road might be uneven. Like I know people that like, they, I I forget who it was, but they were, um, running and they just kind of stepped funny off of a curb and like broke their ankle yep. because their body wasn't able to adapt to it. You know? So it's like, these things are still important. It's still important to develop yourself as an athlete and running form is one of the ways that you can improve that because running form is a skill that can be improved. You know, here at real life runners, we have a three part system that we like to train our athletes and we like to train our athletes in mind, body and skills. And running form is one of those skills that we can develop.
1: Right. Um, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, even when you're road running, you have to be able to adapt to the different environments. Back when we had races, our school 's little 5 k which is a complete pancake it 's like a little like square that goes around like mm. the area of the, the high school that we coach at there 's one stretch where it 's maybe twenty steps where the sidewalk has trees that grow over the top of it, and the sidewalk has like moss grown on it mm. and in the morning, the sprinklers and the dew and everything it 's slippery it 's slippery for maybe like ten to fifteen sidewalk squares on the ground like that 's it but it's pretty slippery at that spot and you have to know that it's slippery or at least be able to adjust as soon as you hit that first step Mm -hmm. because you land and you kind of slide. Last time we ran it, not last year, last time we ran it, um, the guy who finished second in it came up to me afterwards. He goes, man, that one little stretch there is really slippery. I'm like, yeah, you just kind of have to know it and you land a little lighter on your feet, take quick little steps and blast through it and Mm -hmm. pop out the other side. He goes, yeah, I just could have used some warning on that
0: one. Yeah, well, and even some of the sidewalks that have like tree roots, you know, growing underneath where the pavement is uneven, like those are things that you just have to be aware of. And when you're coordinated and can control your movements, you're going to be a much better, you know, to adapt to that kind of thing.
1: Or the run that I went on the other morning where it's the loop that I always go on. It's like one of my go-to loops and I take a a left turn and suddenly the sidewalk has been ripped up for a half mile stretch. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll be running down the dirt.
0: Yeah, I ran that (laughs) loop the other day also. So... Running form is actually a very complicated web of motions. Like it seems very simple, right? We start running when we're like a year old, right? We start walking and then we quickly start just running because we've got that momentum that we don't know how to control. (laughs) And it's like so cute when you watch little babies like start walking for the first time and then they get excited and start running and then they fall over. It's a
1: face plant into a couch.
0: And then they get up again and they do it again, right? But it's learning the coordination of that movement so when you're running it's like your arms have to move in sync your legs have to move in sync your arms and your legs have to kind of move in opposition to each other you have to be able to maintain your body upright you make you want to make sure you're not bending at the waist or jutting your chin forward like there's a lot of things that need to happen you want to make sure that you're bending full fo- you know falling forward at your ankles and not bending forward at the, at the waist there's all these things right and we coach our athletes. On all of these form corrections, right? And those of you, I'll keep stay tuned for a, a fun bonus if you want to sign up for the training team this month. Oh, yeah, I'm it's offering a good one. A really fun bonus of a video gate analysis um, this month that's included if you sign up for the team. But um, anywho, running is this complicated web of motions, right? And so when it looks right, like when you watch the beauty in the professional elite runners, like, I love watching the lead pack of the, like, New York City Marathon. Right. It's just, like, such, like, beautiful music and artwork in in motion.
1: To me, it's it's art. Like, the a pack of runners, you talk, like, you know, the big marathons, you get that lead pack, but, like... Olympic level one mile where everybody is just running in unison and they're so close to each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, one person takes a a bad step, one person cuts in and the pile is just going to fall down, but they don't. They just move and they're moving at over 15 miles an hour. They're just cranking along, hitting turns of the track, all just cleanly striding through. It's gorgeous Mm -hmm. to watch. It is. And when it's off, it's not always easy to figure out exactly what's wrong. Sometimes it is and we'll get there, yeah. but sometimes you can just look at it and you're like, I'm not sure what, but that's not right. It's, it's like, uh, like professional art, um, curators. That's mm-hmm. the term I'm looking for. Someone who studies art like a museum curator, they can tell if they're looking at a forgery Mm. and they might not be able to tell you exactly why, but they can look at two paintings and be like, that one's the real one. And that one's the forgery. Yeah. And even they can't tell you why, but they know that something's off about that one.
0: That's the like most interesting thing. Like I've seen those studies and they're not able to tell you why a lot of the times it's like, they just know, like it's just something inherent.
1: Right. So I can look at, and I've done this at track meets with, you know, the kids in our team, the track meets go for a while and they'll watch like the two miles sometimes and watch the kids that be like, uh, the kid on the left, he's totally going to outkick. And I'm like, not a chance. It's the one on the right. And it's, there's something about their form. I'm just like, no, look at the kid on the right. He's, it's not even going to be close at the end. And I am, I am right. Overwhelmingly the the majority of the time over the kids who have been running for a year or two yeah. of who's going to be able to blow past the other guy at the finish line.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so when you look at it, you know, I'm a physical therapist, there's exercise physiologists out there, we can explain the most efficient running form, right? We can tell you how your foot should hit the ground, we can tell you the ground reaction force that comes through the body, we can tell you the right angle that you should be holding your arms, like, the quote-unquote most efficient running form out there, but no one really runs with that. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are people that do, like, I'm sure that there's people... If we looked up some research studies, we could probably find some examples of it. But there are slight variations in running form. This is just how it works. And there's still amazing results that can come. Like your running form, even if it isn't perfect – can still be very very good.
1: Right. So this is where like glaring errors come. So if there's like the the perfect form, like a physiologist could probably program this into a computer and make like a visual of what your ideal running body would look like and the, and the form through that. Yeah. And if you have certain aspects of your motion that are way out of whack, that's something that can get fixed. Like huge glaring errors. And then the issue is that is calling them errors is not necessarily a, a The correct term because Mm -hmm. sometimes you fix what seems to be like a glaring error, for instance our daughter's right arm flares out to the side.
0: Or Kipchoge that has an arm that goes across his That crosses his, his
1: midline. Oh, heaven forbid an arm right. crosses the midline. I mean, he's
0: the best distance runner in the world right now.
1: Right. If you fixed what seems like a giant air, like, well, you can't move that arm all the way across. If you moved it so he had to run in a more straightforward back and forth motion, would that throw off something else out of his running gait? Mm-hmm. Because everything is connected. The way that your arms move balance out the way that your legs move. So maybe your one arm is flaring out to the side. If your knee or your leg is not kicking out to the outside to balance it off, you probably have a muscle imbalance between your two legs and you don't even know it because your arm has already flared slightly out to the outside to cover the imbalance in your leg muscles. Right. Like it's all connected here.
0: Totally and the the same thing goes with the terrain that you're running on too like if you're running on different terrain that's going to create a variety of forms like I know that I feel this when I run on different terrain like especially if you're if you're running hills if you're running downhill versus uphill like just feel the way that your form changes It, it, it does change and we try to you know coach people to try to minimize changes in form and that just takes practice right it's like even like these errors in form like you just mentioned, I'm sure these professional runners are very aware of them and have probably tried to fix them, but have found that it just decreases their efficiency. And so they're better off just keeping it the way that they are.
1: Well, I mean, that's the form story that I love to tell. His uh, American 800 meter American record holder for the longest time back in like the late 80s, 90s, uh, his last name was Gray. He had his right arm that shot so far out to the outside and then with every step it would whip back across his chest. Like, it was the weirdest thing. It looked like he was throwing a frisbee and then bring the arm back in and then throw a frisbee and then whip it back in. It's because when he was younger and, like, an age group track athlete, like, I forget, like much, much younger than his child, he had broken his arm. Mm-hmm. And he used to run with his arm in a cast. So the one arm had all of this weight on it. So his running form just naturally kind of gained this sort of weird whipping motion to it because he had to do it to accommodate all of the weight that he was carrying. Right. So it it just changed his form.
0: Right, exactly. And so, you know, the if you can improve your form to help Im- make it more efficient, then that's fantastic. But sometimes you're, it's just not necessarily the best idea because your body may have already adapted like kevin said like you might have already naturally adapted to help make up for something else going on
1: right so this kind of leads us into whether you're a newer runner or more of a a seasoned runner okay so regardless of your age or your running age like the amount of time that you you've spent actively training as a runner you've been running for years like you started running when you were like one ish And you have this natural running gait. Some people have worked on their form for a while. If you trained through, like, track through high school or college or anything like that, I'm sure you had a coach that went through various running drills and probably spent a while, depending on on what kind of coach you had. Some coaches are very strong on making sure that everybody's running form looks the same, and some are much more laid back. And, oh, everybody has a form, and their form is their form, and we don't want to touch it. We kind of try and fall in the middle of you can fix some issues And some things you just are going to want to leave alone. And it it varies from person to person. And sometimes it takes a little bit of experimentation of things that can change versus things that shouldn't be adjusted.
0: Right. And and like you could always play with it, but it's important to know that when you start to play with your running form, you are going to lose efficiency, at least for a short amount of time, you know, like whenever your body is trying to adjust. And we, we talk a lot about cadence with this. Um, A lot of the times when we coach people in trying to adjust their running form, it's usually either cadence, posture, or arm swing. Those are like the three big things that we usually address. Um, we don't really address heel striking as much. I know there's a, there was a big thing in the past about trying to decrease the amount of heel strike that people were doing. That's typically not something that we like to, to try to coach away. You know, we find that a lot of times when you just improve cadence and improve where the foot is landing, that heel strike kind of tends to fix itself itself a bit there. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are certain things that you want to kind of think about possibly improving and other things that you might just be better off leaving alone. And the big way that you can start to determine this is A, are you in pain? You know, like it, are you having a problem? Are you having pain? Are you having aches? Like if, if that's the case, then you might want to take a look at your running form.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point is why are you trying to mess with your form in the first place? Like if you look like a mess running down the road, does it matter? Like if you enjoy running and you're not getting hurt Does really, does fixing your form have the payoff that you want it to to have? Because Mm -hmm. everybody can change their form, no matter how long you've been running. Like, I decided to change my cadence... After years of running, I yeah. mean, I'd been running for well over a decade before I was like, I'm going to change my cadence. And when I changed it, it changed me from being such a strong heel striker. It naturally changed the way that my foot landed under me, underneath me. So I kind of changed cadence and it affected my posture. When I was back in high school, I had a coach who said, this is the glaring air you have going on with your form. You need to fix this. And the issue was my head bobbed all over the place when I ran like all over the place. As I got more tired, it would start leaning to the left, but it just always was bobbing all over the place. You know what the issue was? It wasn't a running form issue. I didn't have strong enough back muscles. Like it was a weakness. And so as I got out there and ran, my legs were doing fine. My head was just bobbing all over the place because I didn't have strong enough upper body like around like the shoulder area to literally support my head as I ran around.
0: Right, and that's where a lot of running errors come from quote-unquote errors, errors, right, come from, like a lot of form variations do are a result of weakness. And this goes back to, you know, pillar three of our Real Life Runners Training Academy, of our Real Life Runners Training System of of training the body, right? Making sure that you have the proper strength and mobility Same thing with mobility, right? Like if you don't have enough range of motion in your ankles or your hips, then you're going to have to make up for it somewhere else. And so you're going to develop some sort of running form abnormality. Like I have limited range of motion in my ankles. Like I just – I have a bony block. And so I do have to somewhat – change the way I run like I've learned lots of ways like I used to be a terrible shuffler and heel striker and again I also went through the process of improving my cadence and, and landing lighter and really changing my gait but it's just one of those things that you have to figure out like where your limitations are, where your weaknesses are, where your lack of mobility is. Try to improve that as much as possible, and then your running form should naturally benefit from those changes.
1: It generally does naturally benefit. It's also helpful to talk to a coach, because um, after a long time of my watching you run and being like, well, just stop shuffling. Turns out that doesn't actually fix the that problem. That doesn't
0: help. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm shuffling coach.
1: <laughs> but we worked together and like I was able to point out when it was happening, you were able to recognize what was going on and mm-hmm. together we kind of figured out, okay, this is what we can do and this is how we can help it, right. um, which which worked well because I was literally looking at it of like, well, just pick your feet up more and, and that wasn't the answer to right. it. There's, there's certain cues that are, are going to work much better than others.
0: Right. And you know, when I did my first half marathon back in like 2011, like I was suffering from tendinitis in the front of my ankle like my tibialis anterior which is like your shin muscle like the the muscle at the front of your on the front of your shin there i was suffering from tendinitis in that muscle or tendinosis and it was because of the way that my ankle and my foot was hitting the ground when i was running like i fixed my cadence and i haven't ever had a problem with it since
1: right i mean I- Probably part of my issues, part of the swing, was because my knees always flared towards the inside. Mm-hmm. So to balance out the fact that my my legs were crashing in, my arms overreacted by moving to the outside. And so as I strengthened hip muscles to fix the, the way that my feet landed underneath me, it gradually reduced the amount that my arms need to move to the outside. But then... I've been running for years and years and years and muscle memory says, well, this arm just naturally swings slightly more than this arm does. So... There's some that kind of fixes itself as you do do some strengthening and others that just sort of fix themselves because your body's going to try and move towards the most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. The more miles you put in, your body is this amazing system that will find the most away- efficient way to do that activity.
0: Right. Because overall, again, your body and your brain always want to keep you alive. So it's their job, your body's job, your brain's job to find the most efficient way for you to do things so that you burn the least amount of calories and waste the least amount of energy. So the more miles you put in, your body's going to try to naturally find a more efficient running form, okay? However, that's not to say that it can't be improved with conscious effort, right? Because sometimes your body thinks it's a more efficient running form when it's really not, like back to my shuffling. Mm -hmm. You know, that was... Just the way that I had learned to run. And so um, it's not like my body's just going to magically fix itself and say, like, no, you shouldn't be shuffling because here you are in pain. Like, that's not how my body at least talks to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, it's one of those things that, like, once I did start to put in the work to fix the cadence, then my body was like, oh yeah, this does feel much better, right? But it it took that conscious awareness first and that conscious effort, which at first, you know, when I first tried to improve my cadence, it was tough, you know? It was very, it felt very awkward, it felt very weird, like, and it took a lot of time. It took probably several months for me to really get to the point where it felt Normal for me to be running at that higher cadence yeah. versus
1: right there the lower, right there with you. I mean, both yeah. of us kind of tried this at, at a similar time and mm-hmm. made the playlists, and we're trying to go out there and would celebrate our own victories of like, all right, I did it on on playlist and I lasted for an entire song mm-hmm. before I lost the beat of the music. Yeah, and,
0: Kevin and, didn't always like my playlist song selections, but you know, we
1: had for a, a story while. For another day, I we guess. had two separate playlists, and somehow they got merged into one. So then then. It was no longer my playlist. It's not that I don't appreciate yours. It's that it just, it was mine, but then there were new songs added on to Did it. Did you
0: not like Girls Just Want to Have Fun?
1: I think that was one of my original songs actually on there.
0: <laughs> I don't think that one was actually on there. I don't think that's a 180, but Doesn't sound we, should, like we should go back and look because there was definitely some some songs on there that you did not appreciate. I think the, the slower ones you weren't a big fan of, typically.
1: The slower ones, because you can totally train yourself to this cadence, and a lot of people when they try and get into it, they're like, 180 seems so fast. How am I possibly going to keep up with that? Pick a slower song. Pick mm-hmm. a song that's a nice, slow, relaxing song with like kids 90. of 90 yeah. and feel how mellow it is and how your feet are just quickly moving along as you run to the mellow music. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what that one will do to you.
0: Right. So if we are looking at running form and this is something that you want to address, where should you start? Okay. So first of all, you need to get a clear picture of where you are. So we would suggest that you actually record yourself running, like set up your camera. Everybody's got a smartphone nowadays pretty much so set it up and run towards the camera run away from the camera and then run like to the side so that you get a side view you want to get front back and side view so that you can really get the full picture if you can have someone like riding a bike or you know um riding like in the back of a truck while you like run to towards them that's even better um so record yourself first, okay? Then go back. Have some
1: fun with this. Get fun. a friend with a golf cart and go chase him down. And
0: there you go. And then um, actually go back and look at the video, right? Like go back and watch the video. See what you notice. See where is your foot landing, you know? What are your arms doing? What does your posture look like? Are you rounded? Are you bent over at the waist? Like what exactly is going on? And take some notes, you know? Like if you want to go at this, go at it like a scientist, right? And, and actually take a look at what might be going wrong. Wrong. don't just make arbitrary changes to your running form thinking that it might be helpful
1: yeah that's it's a, a really good point i mean it goes back to what we said earlier is all of these things are connected. Like running is much more complicated and, and uh, interconnected from top to bottom than it, it seems at first. Mm-hmm. Like the way that your your foot lands and the angle of your hip and the way that your arm is moving are all in fact connected to each other. So one of the other things out of this is the smaller the fix is, the easier and better it's going to be. Like don't try and be like, all right, I'm going to fix the way that my foot lands and my posture and my head is tilted slightly and th- no, no, no you need too many
0: things to remember
1: you need a thing and it needs to be pretty small and that in and of itself is already going to make you feel awkward as you run mm-hmm. like however small it is it's going to feel a little bit awkward as you run so make a small thing and consciously realize that this may have short-term issues but long-term i will likely be improving my efficiency
0: right and the first the One big thing that you want to take a look at is your posture, okay? And this, for those of you that are in our five-day challenge right now, this is what we are going to be talking about on day four, okay? Day four which is Thursday, the day that this podcast comes out. Day four is the day that we talk about running form and breathing. We talk about our running skills. And we're going to be talking a lot about posture and the way that you actually hold your body. Like actually when you're out on your run, if you're listening to us on your run right now, don't change anything. Just become aware of your posture. What does your body feel like right now? Are, are your shoulders tight? Does your neck hurt? Is your lower back sore? Like what... How does your body feel right now? Then, kind of think about like what shape is my body, and am I standing up really tall? Am am I sticking my butt out? Am my shoulder are my shoulders rounded forward? Like how exactly am I holding my body when I'm out for a run?
1: Right, and this goes to one of your favorite PT lines of, proc- no, I'm going to get that wrong. Proximal stability for distal no. I've got it wrong.
0: No, you have it. You ha- you got it right.
1: Proximal stability for distal mobility. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's this. It's- the strong tree trunk okay like you have to have a strong tree trunk if you're gonna grow longer branches and have more mobile branches like you have to have that strong core that strong foundation that proximal stability which is your core your hips your shoulders like everything that in your trunk if you're going to be able to run more efficiently more effectively and have your legs move faster without causing more problems
1: right and so you get that stability and that helps every all of your core part all of your torso and everything be lined up correctly so if your shoulders are hunched or your hips are swayed out behind you that throws the posture off of the middle a lot of people when you know they're told oh well you need to posture they they put their shoulders too far back and their hips go in a weird position they're not at all standing with appropriate posture like posture means bringing your hips underneath you relaxing the shoulders making sure that your chest is out in front of you like you you need to be standing upright, but relaxed also. People think, oh, posture, and they just get super, super tense. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you run smoothly.
0: Right. And so when you then look at your your posture, your running form, like Kevin said, maybe you can hold that posture for a little bit, but then if your muscles are weak and you don't have the strength to maintain that or you don't have the muscle endurance to maintain that position, then your form starts to break down as you get tired. And we see this all the time, like people are like all of a sudden, like in mile you know seven or eight of the half marathon, like my knee starts to hurt, or my arm goes numb, or like various things like we had a, a cross country runner a lot a, a bunch of years ago who every time she would run, one of her arms would just go numb on her, yep, and it was just the craziest mm-hmm. thing, but there was like you know a nerve entrapment going on, and you know so What is going on in your body? And like, do you have the muscle strength and the muscle endurance to support yourself as a runner? These are all things that you need to train, right? Because there is brute muscle strength, right? Like when we talk about weight training and like lifting heavier weights, like your one rep max, like how much weight you're able to lift. But there's also muscle endurance. Like how long are you able to hold that position? And that's really, as runners, one of the things that we really need to focus on is Do you have a muscle that's able to just hold you upright for that period of time? You know, your postural muscles, especially your back muscles, your ab muscles, like your core muscles, they should be able to contract upright what's called isometrically which means with no movement like they just are contracting and holding you upright that's why that is the best way to train them that's why the plank is one of my absolute favorite exercises for runners because you're just holding and tensing everything in one position and you're building that muscle strength but also that muscle endurance you're able to just hold that position for an extended period of time
1: right so if you've ever seen pictures of yourself after a race especially like a half marathon or a marathon and they're the picture from the back end of the race and you're like, ooh, that's not one that I'm ever going to purchase because you've slid into the marathon shuffle. Like, it's not what your form looked like at the beginning, but it's the shuffle that you make it across the finish line. It's that form that you drag yourself across the line. You're not smiling towards the end of it. You need to build up the muscle endurance because maybe your form was spot on at the beginning, but you need to build the background strength so that it's still solid form towards the end. Otherwise, those last few miles your form is off the form then leads to pain the pain leads to worse form it's the vicious cycle that spirals and you drag yourself across the finish line dreading that race and not super excited to go out and do it again so then you take like three weeks off you get exhausted you try and ramp yourself back up again it's it's the running racing spiral
0: right so basically if you want to improve your running form like first determine whether or not you should second understand that you're going to become efficient in the pros inefficient sorry inefficient in the process as you correct your running form okay so you might see a drop in your times like uh that your times might get a little bit slower and you just have to be able to accept this there's nothing wrong with it you're doing it right like you should be less efficient when you're trying to change your running form and your running gait it's going to feel harder like what normally should be a a, a normal l2 run like your easy run might feel a little bit harder if you're trying to change your running form along the way that's why we tell our our clients like don't go out and just just decide that you're going to go at a 180 cadence for a five mile run your first time out you have to kind of work into it
1: yeah and it's not just that it's it's going to be L2 because you've got different form. It, it takes more mental strength to just hold your new form because you have to be paying attention. And that's why, like you just said, you don't want to go out and just drop a five-miler at your new cadence or your new form or whatever. Put a portion of your run in where you're going to actually focus on it because otherwise it's just mentally exhausting to get through the thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So determine whether or not you want to change your running form. Decide what you should change if you record yourself and actually watch your video and just pick one thing at a time. Okay, that's really the biggest key. Don't try to change 20 things all at the same time. Change one thing until you feel like you've got the hang of that. Then move on to the other things if there are multiple things to change.
1: Well, Yeah, then record yourself again and see how many things changed by changing that one thing Yeah, that's
0: a good point too. always always go back and reassess so that's what we've got for you guys today we hope that it was very helpful um if if you decide that you want to make a change in your running form let us know okay reach out send us an email post up in the facebook tribe we'd love to hear from you or you can tag us on instagram at real life runners so um so yeah
1: you said there was a a way to get us to do a gait analysis
0: Oh that's that's coming up for it's for the people that um are in the challenge it's a special oh. February bonus Oh that February I'm bonus to oh, them okay. but well. yeah so it's pretty exciting so stay tuned for those of you that are members of the 5-day challenge and decide you want to join the team I do have a special bonus for you um when you join this month <laughs> Surprise, surprise. Spoiler alert. I may have spoiled that Spoiler one. Spoiler alert. Alright, so that's what we've got for you guys today. We hope everyone, we hope you're having a wonderful week. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We appreciate when you listen to us on your runs, on your drives, or wherever else you like to listen to this podcast. And we especially, especially appreciate it if you share this podcast with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. We read them all. We appreciate them. And they help us to reach other people. iTunes Spotify, like wherever you like to listen to us. um, is fantastic. So thank you for joining us. This has been the real life runners podcast, episode number 186. Now get out there and run your life.
1: Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the real life runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it and we take it to the next level we teach you how to train your mind body and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life
0: we offer customized training plans live coaching calls and one-on-one coaching along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life we'll see you there